So we're in week five of our series, Lead by Example. The past weeks we learned being an example of faith, being an example of integrity, an example of commitment, and an example of love. This week, as we continue, we're going to learn about being an example of speech, being an example of speech. Now, the tagline passage for this series has been Titus 2. It says, show yourself in all respects to be an example of good works. Now, the next verse goes on to say this, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So this verse teaches us that sound speech, about sound speech. So we're going to look at uh, sound speech and what that is. So what actually is sound speech? And the verse that we're going to look at is this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those that hear. So here's what I want to do. I kind of want to build, build uh, on this verse what sound speech actually looks like. And it says this, sound speech builds others up. So when we're talking with other people, we have to think about the things that we talk about should encourage other people, should help them in their spiritual lives, and should inspire them to follow God. So when you're talking to other people, you have to think, what, what is this actually doing? Is this helping them or hurting them? Is this building them up? or tearing them down? Is this making them feel closer to God or making them feel further from God? Is this helping them in their spiritual lives or harming their spiritual lives? The next thing this verse says, sound speech should fit the occasion. Is it appropriate? Is what I'm talking about, is it appropriate? We should be talking about the right things at the right time. This also means knowing what is appropriate for the person that you're sharing it with, okay? Knowing what's appropriate for the person that you're sharing it with. Maybe you have children, teenagers, stuff. So certain things are not, they're not ready to hear. Their brains are not ready to process. The next thing is sound speech gives grace, okay? Grace, as defined really in the scriptures, is the undeserved favor of God. The best place for us to learn about grace is obviously the gospel message, right? God has given us grace. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus, in his grace, in his love, in his mercy, came to lay down his life to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose again to prove that he's God. And what does the scripture say? All who believe will have eternal life. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. So now we have to think about this. Undeserved favor of God. We didn't deserve God to do this. So now when we speak, we need to give others grace. Sometimes we speak to people and we feel like they don't deserve a kind compliment. They don't deserve us to be nice to them. Well, our speech should give grace regardless. You know, a good thing when you're in a conversation with somebody, a good thing to ask yourself is this. What am I leaving this person with? When I turn my back and walk away, what am I leaving them with? Okay, it should build them up. It should fit the occasion. It should give grace. So now we have to ask, well, what gets in the way of this sound speech? Because this sounds great, right? This sounds great, but what gets in the way? 
Or what, what is he talking about here? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Because that's what's going to get in the way of us and our sound speech. So what is corrupting talk? So we're going to break it down a little bit. The first is foul language. Okay, Foul language. We may fall into the trap of using foul language in three areas of life. And the first is sometimes to be funny. Honestly, some people just want to be funny, so they use crude joking. It says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. So you probably realize this. Most of our entertainment culture has conditioned us to be entertained by crude joking. Would you agree with that? It's conditioned us. And now, um, you know, we want to make people laugh. So, you know, obviously entertainers want to make people laugh. Sitcoms want to make people laugh. So they'll use crude joking. They want to put a smile on people's face. We've entered into this time in our culture, and you probably noticed this too, where, you know, with all these streaming services, right? There's really, it used to be like, okay, movies like PG, PG-13, rated R. And then if, some, if there was a show on TV, you could pretty much figure it wasn't going to be too bad, so to speak. You weren't going to hear coarse, crude, joking, and foul language like that. But now people say this, oh, did you see that new show on Netflix? See that new show on Hulu? And then you watch it, and you're like, whoa, within the first five minutes, all of a sudden, you're like, this is on TV? But it's like not on TV, right? It's like on TV, but it's not on TV. But now we get desensitized. We start to think this is normal. We start to think this is how you make people laugh. This is how you make people happy. Maybe you bring that to work. Maybe you hear coarse joking and you bring that to work and you, you know, this is how I get other people to laugh at work or in school or whatnot. Maybe it's social media, something like that. But the truth is this. The truth is this. It's displeasing to God because the Apostle Paul tells us, let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk or crude joking. But notice what Paul says at the end. But instead, let there be what? Thanksgiving. So maybe you want to put a smile on people's face. Do you know what a good way to do that is? Be the appreciative person. Be the thankful person. Have you ever been around somebody that's just like not thankful, not appreciative, critical, just miserable? You just, right? And you're like, yeah, I live with them, okay? Well, <laughs> here's the thing. It doesn't put a smile on your face, does it? It's exhausting. But the people that are thankful, appreciative for what the Lord has done in their lives, that's what he's saying. But instead, instead of talking like this in crude ways, you know what? Look for evidences of grace in your life to celebrate. And people will smile, right? People will be happy. The second trap of foul language is harsh speech. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So these harsh words, maybe you get mad, you're verbally fighting. Someone upsets you and you respond in harsh and foul language starts coming out of your mouth. Well, that's okay, right? Because they caused it. They were the ones that made you mad. They deserve to be spoken to in this way. And, and you justify yourself. Like, I only talked to you because you made me mad. Right? It's their fault, isn't it? Let's, let's just stop there, right? It's their fault. Okay? We can... No. The truth is, the truth is, this verse teaches us that it's like physically jabbing a sword at someone. 
Okay? It's not physically jabbing a sword to physically harm them, but it's emotionally and spiritually harming them. Maybe some of you grew up in households where your dad was just an angry guy and he would, you know, let the four-letter words fly when, when you did something wrong because it was your fault. But realistically, he did not lead in the way that he should and not let those harsh words come out of his mouth. It's physically or spiritually and emotionally harming people when you speak to them in those ways. But notice what he says here. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So now, okay, let's just paint a picture. Maybe somebody makes you angry. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's your spouse. They make you angry. And you're just thinking, I'm going to tell them exactly how I feel about this. And I'm going to use all the words that I want to use. Well, now you have to stop and say, well, what is the wise speech here? What word should I choose to do what? To bring healing. Not to cause damage, but to bring healing. You know what? Sometimes these wise words can you be you 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 actually saying nothing. Okay? Maybe you can't control yourself at this point, so you just have to step back and say, I, I, I can't even talk right now. I just have to leave the house, go in the garage, go in my room, and get away because if I say something, it's not gonna look good. It's not gonna be pleasing to God. I gotta cool down so I can actually bring words of healing. Sadly, people that have outbursts like this think they're going to fix things with their outbursts, like I'm showing them how serious I am. But really, it causes others to respond the same way, or it harms them. The third trap of foul language is habits, okay? These are people that just use curse words in their daily speech, okay? I'll tell you what, this annoys me, this one, okay? They're not angry. They're not trying to make people laugh. They're just in the bad habit of using curse words, okay? They're just in that habit. In James chapter 3, it talks, about, it, it talks about how a challenge we have is actually taming our tongue. That was the scripture reading for this morning. The challenge is taming our tongue. In the passage, James compares the power of the tongue to a rudder, right, that steers a huge ship. This little small rudder steals a, steers a huge ship. Or he compares it to a spark that starts a fire. Somebody throws a cigarette out a window on the side of the road and it rolls into the leaves. And next thing you know, it's a hundreds of acre forest fire. Destructive. So he's basically comparing this. He's saying there's a destructive nature of the tongue. It's similar to this small spark that can ignite the fire and bring destruction. He goes on to say, man has learned to tame wild animals. But for some reason, he can't tame his tongue. What is wrong with this guy? What is wrong with us? Why can't we speak the way God wants us to? And some of us have gotten ourselves into bad speech habits. Do you realize the remedy of breaking those bad habits is asking God for help? He'll give you the wisdom that you need for the situation and your bad habit of speech. James 3, 17 through 18, this is where the passage ends. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So when we look to God for help with our speech, that wisdom from above, it'll help us to not fall into these traps 
of foul language will help us. That's, you can't do it on your own, okay? You might be able to put a jar out and put money in it. You might be able to, like, you know, substitute this word for that word. And you can do all these things. These things might be a little bit helpful. But you know what? you got to go to the Lord. Go to wisdom from above. Because what should be coming out should be pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. That's the way we should speak. The second thing that gets in the way of sound speech or the second area of corrupting talk is lying, okay? I could have done an entire series of sermons on lying, and I guess that most of you probably realize that you were taught that lying is wrong and we need to tell the truth. I'm sure you were probably taught that. Even if you were brought up in a non-Christian family, you were taught that lying is wrong. I'm not going to spend much time on this point, but I do want to point out one of the main reasons why we should not lie and tell, but we should tell the truth. And that is in Colossians 3.9. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are new. And one of the main reasons why you should not lie is because you need to walk in the newness that God has made you. See, as believers, we need to, we not only believe the truth, we need to tell the truth. The truth should be important to us. We should be truth tellers. Do you realize when you don't tell the truth, everything else that you say is suspect? Do you realize that? If you're a parent, you know this when you're dealing with your kids. It's like, first time they lie to you, you're like, okay, game on. Okay, I'm a detective now. Okay, I'm figuring this out. Every time you say something to me, I'm just going to think it's a lie and have to investigate. Okay, unless I like what you said, then maybe I won't investigate. Okay. But when we lie, every area of our life may seem to be suspect. Now think about this. Even the small little lies that we think are no big deal are suspect. See, every time we lie, it challenges the new nature that God has given to us. Because we could walk in the old nature. I mean, the Apostle Paul talks about it so many times in the epistles. Like, we can actually walk in the old nature, nature, but we're called to walk in the new nature and not live in that old nature. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, okay, I don't use foul language. Check. I don't lie. Check. We closing in prayer, amen? We getting out of here, okay? Quick one. Um, the third area that I want to talk about that challenges or is corrupting talk is a tricky one, and it's gossip, okay? It's gossip. We need to define gossip, right? The dictionary defines gossip as this, casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people. Okay, that's the dictionary to casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people. So in 1 Timothy 5.13, Paul talks about this, this casual, unconstrained talking. Okay, and it happens to be a group of women in a specific church. And he says this, going from house to house and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybody saying what they should not. 
So let me just clear the air here, okay? Obviously, men and women can be gossips, okay? This is a specific instance in a church that Paul was talking about. So obviously, men and women alike can be gossip. And the scriptures teach about the destructive nature of gossip. Sadly, this is the kind of sin that is accepted among Christians, okay? It's kind of akin to, to gluttony, okay? Really, you don't, people don't really talk much about gluttony being a sin. They're like, buffet, I'll eat like 10 desserts, and like, yeah, everybody's like, ha, ha, you know what I mean? And, you know, that's kind of how gossip is, right? People are like, well, you know, like, whatever, like, you know, this is what I talk about. See, as Christians that desire to lead others, we can't have a reputation of being a gossip. So what do we do? Well, obviously we have to ask the Lord for help, but I think that a good way to combat gossip in our lives and a good way to help you understand what is going to be gossip and what isn't going to be gossip is this little acronym, it's THINK. And I know I've shared this before. Um, at the 8.30, it didn't seem like they remembered, so I'm like, great, they didn't remember. Um, so here's the thing, okay? It's this little acronym. It's called THINK. In other words, we should THINK before we what? Speak. Okay, good. That's what your parents probably said. Don't you think before you talk or, or think before you talk? So the T in think is, is it true? Okay. If you are not sure if something is true, you need to check your facts. Okay. That's first things first. If you are not sure, sure something is true, you need to check your facts. But sometimes we're talking with someone about someone else and we feel fine talking about it because it is true, okay? Sometimes we're talking about someone, someone else and something happened, a casual, unconstrained conversation, right? And it is true, so we feel justified. But gossip is not always false information, which brings us to the H, and that is this. Is it hurtful, okay? Is it hurtful? Will sharing this with someone else make the problem worse? Will it hurt the person's reputation? You know, sometimes when something's true, we feel like, oh, I could share this. But think about this. Ask yourself this question. Is this my story to share? Okay? Is this my story to share? Do I have a right to be sharing this with other people? It might be true, right? but it actually might hurt someone else. It might actually make their problem worse. It might actually complicate things for them. It might actually hurt the relationship that you have with them. It might be true, right? But it might actually hurt the relationship. Maybe the person is trying to move past something and because you're going around telling the truth about them, maybe they're forgiven by God and the people that they've hurt, they've made peace with those people and whatever the situation is, is in the past and you, the Christian, keep on coming and reminding everybody about what this person did. Will it hurt them? Will it hurt their relationships with other people? And will it hurt the relationship that you have with them? In Proverbs 16, 28, it says gossip separates close friends. The next thing is this. I, is it inspiring? Sometimes something is true, and it's not helpful for the hearer, and in fact, it can be very discouraging. 
Think about what you say. Are you inspiring the person with the conversation that you're having? Maybe you're talking about something that is true, but it's not very inspiring. It's very discouraging. If I walk away from this conversation right now, this person's just going to be bummed out. Maybe this is in your family, right? Like, uh, you know, you have like aunts or uncles or people in the family that you always thought were awesome. You loved them. You thought they were cool. Then after they passed away, then somebody in the family said, oh, and they did this. And you're like, what? <laughs> right? Was it inspiring? Did you need to know? No. It just didn't inspire. It didn't make you feel good about that person and the relationship that you had. Now, all of a sudden, everything's kind of messed up in your mind, and it just didn't inspire you. So you have to ask, is it better for this person if they do not know this? Is it just better for them not to know this? Which brings us to the next, the end, is is it necessary? Does this person need to know this? You know what? Sometimes we have to share something that's going to protect other people, right? I remember years and years ago, a friend of mine, his daughter was hanging out with some other kid that like, I knew was a dangerous situation. So I had to call him and say, hey, listen, this is not good. You just have to keep your eye on this. I didn't tell him what to do. I just said, you know, this is going to protect you and your family. Trust me on this one. You know, sometimes we need to do that, right? It's necessary for someone to know. Something like that is appropriate. But if what we're sharing helps that person in no way, then we have to ask, why am I sharing this? Is this really necessary? What, what's my motivation here? What's my motivation here? You know, sadly for us, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes our motivation for sharing something is just to cut another person down. Just to, in, in ways to maybe make ourselves look better. So we want to bring that person down. It's not necessary for them to hear it, but it seems to be very necessary for us to share it, which brings us to the final thing, and is it kind? Sometimes our gossip is just plain mean. Mean spirit, mean spirited. It wants to cast a bad light on the other person. It wants to cast a bad light on the other person. There's something going on with us that makes us feel like I have to say something mean about this person. Now, this acronym, it's easy to remember, and it can help you when you're tempted to gossip, when you're tempted to talk with someone else about someone else in this casual, unconstrained conversation. Now, some of you might be thinking at this point, well, what am I supposed to talk about? <laughs> and, and I've shared this quote before. It's an anonymous quote. I don't know where it came from. Some people attribute it to Eleanor Roosevelt. I, Eleanor Roosevelt. I did some searching online. I just could not find. But it's this. Small minds discuss people. Average minds discuss events. Great minds discuss ideas. So think about it this way. Small minds. Did you hear about so-and-so? Average minds, did you hear about this or that? I mean, that's been our last, what, year and a half? Did you hear about this, you know, this politician, this thing, the COVID, the vaccine? Blah, you know, that's what average people talk about, right? Okay? But we want to be above average, right? We want to be the people that God desires us to be. Great minds, hey, I have an idea. I have something that will help. I have something that will benefit. I have something that will heal. 
I'm thinking about the problems of humanity and how not only Jesus will help us with those problems, but how we as Christians can be agents of change and help other people. Imagine that. Imagine if that was our conversation. Remember, in this series, we're looking to lead by example. And leaders have ideas. Leaders have goals. Leaders have focus. That's what we need to talk about. So then that brings us to our final question is, why is our speech so important? And Psalm 19, 14 answers that. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. So let's break this down. The first is, why is our speech so important? Because of sin, okay? The words of my mouth. As believers, we want to avoid doing sinful things in word, avoid doing sinful things in thought, and avoid doing sinful things in deed. Because those things displease God and are an offense to him. The second is, it reveals our heart, the meditations of my heart. In Luke 6, 45, Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You know what? Part of the reason we sin with our words is because there's a deeper issue in our heart. In order to lead others, we have to take those issues to God. You know what? If you're using foul language and anger, there's an anger issue that's welling up in your heart. If you're gossiping about someone else, okay, there's an issue why you need to cast a bad light on someone else. See, if we don't work on these things, here's what's going to happen. All the people that are trying to grow and please God will eventually not want to be around you. That's what's going to happen. The solid Christians will eventually take a step back and say, I can't be around this person anymore. They're a detriment to me. What they say is not helpful for me. It's actually causing me to sin as well. Guess what? Even people that are not trying to grow closer to God, they might not want to be around you either. Even the non-Christians might not want to be around you because you're toxic. And guess what? The only people that are going to want to be around you are the people that are just like you. The people that are toxic, the people that are gossiping, the people that are using foul language, the people that are lying. There's an old saying, right? The blind leading the blind, right? They're blind to their sin. You're blind to your sin. You're all walking around blind to your sin and doing whatever you feel like doing. And guess what? In that toxic environment, it is going to be a huge, huge problem in your life. Surrounding yourself with people like that. But if you don't work on it, those are the only people that are going to want to be around you. And finally, in the context of being a Christian leader, this lead by example concept that we're talking about is this. It's a testimony issue. In Titus 2.8, it goes on to say, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. Condemned is expressed complete disapproval, typical in public. So basically, your sound speech People won't disapprove of it. They might not agree with you, but they're not going to disapprove of the fact that you're weighing your words wisely. And then it goes on to say, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. 
See, leading others to Jesus is difficult enough with spiritual warfare, the sinful human nature, and critics. The last thing we need as believers is to be the reason why someone doesn't want to believe. The last thing we need as Christians is to be that stumbling block, the person with the speech that stands in the way of other people seeing the beautiful message of Jesus. See, we want our speech in check so that even those that oppose the message of Jesus can't say anything bad about us and it be true, okay? They will say bad stuff about us, but if we walk with integrity like that and speak with integrity like that, guess what? They have no handle. What they say isn't true. So when people find out what they say isn't true, they're maligned. And the message is not malign. Well, you may think this is no big deal, but the things you say cannot be unsaid. God does forgive when we ask. But you have, may be doing or have done damage to others because of the things that you say. So as believers, let's lead by example with our speech. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful, Lord, that we could be in this place together worshiping and hearing your word. And Lord, I just pray for each one of us. There's not one of us in this room that doesn't have some sort of struggle with our speech. We pray that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable to you. We pray that you help us in these crucial areas of life so that we can be an example to others for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Please stand as we close in worship. <laughs>
Deuteronomy 7.9, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Have a great day.